pretty relevant to me right now. Is it? Yeah. I'm probably on my, I guess, 25th podcast about this right now. You know, it's impossible to do a short form take at it. I typically, they all last about an hour. And that's about when it flushes out, I right? Bet. And yeah. so you just kind of dig in and start to kind of find out what culminates. And actually it's been great because at the end of every one of them, after I listen back to it, the title of it is so crystal clear, right? It's like a mining expedition. And as you kind of wander down and navigate through the conversation, because a lot of people don't like to talk about this stuff, right? You don't yeah. get to really have a big, you know, big group of people. It's like, you know what I'm really interested in talking about today is my insecurities. No, people are uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Right. I get that. Or even your desire for intimacy. Yeah, which everyone has. Which yeah. everyone has, right? right? And a fear of intimacy. That's huge too. Don't you think? Yeah, it's different now. And I've always thought that it's like all my favorite like girlfriends who've, you know, girlfriends who are like, you know, been out of a relationship for a while. Yeah. My favorite thing they do typically is come back and go, you know what? I'm I'm ready for a relationship now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah. I'm really ready now. I'm ready now. It's, it's my time. It's my time. Yeah. And I'm going to just shine at this moment, right? And then what happens? And, and so I love it because, you know, I, I really get the intention of it. And I think intention is powerful, right? I get that they're going to go out there and shine and it's going to draw attention, right? And, it's, and that's going to happen. I know that's going to happen, right. which is beautiful. But what often comes to about is they tend to come back kind of with their tail between their legs. And that's men included. This is not gender specific. True. But yeah. they come back and they kind of like go, they don't say it because I don't think they grasp it, but they basically go, it's easier to give love than to receive it. Oh, Absolutely. That's for sure. And everybody's different depending on, you know, your background and how you experience that growing up. It, it all goes full circle to me. I mean, I'm not the best <laughs> example at that. So I think giving love is very easy. I think it's easy to love people and for me, but receiving it and accepting it and putting yourself out there. That's that vulnerable that's the thing. That's the, yeah. That could be crippling sometimes. I mean, I know it for is. me it kind of can be. I think it depends on how much work you do on yourself. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? So if you don't work on yourself at all and you don't look at that stuff, then... It's always going to be hard. Yeah, exactly. To be intimate. I mean, that's how I, but. And you know what the weird thing I find is, is that is with those kind of complexities of receiving love, obviously we have our childhood wounds that we have to work through. We have our traumas that we have to recognize, right? We have. That's huge. Our belief systems that we might have to tackle with. That could change. That could change. Or they can change 180 degree polarity. That's what can happen if you go through some real transcendental enlightenment kind of moments. Uh, yeah, big I could speak calls. to that. Yeah. Did you? Why don't you? Oh, goodness. So currently working on a lot of that stuff. So when you speak to trauma, I think that's a big thing. So when you go through some, like, say, for instance, for me, I was in a car accident when I was 19 and redid most of part of my face. So I did plastic surgery and oh, wow. all kinds of stuff. And at a young age, you know what I mean? If you don't process that or if you don't, you know, go through the motions to really heal from what that does, you know, multiple years of surgery, stuff like that. And you carry that. So I'm almost 40. I can still be a passenger in a car and be scared. So this stuff stays with you, right? So you have to really work on why am I feeling that way and kind of dig into the stuff. It's hard. People don't. There's an old saying, we don't give ourselves permission a lot to grieve over those traumas on our own, right? You have to get through them. You got to go. move on. You got to get it done. You got you to show a happy face or whatever, you right? You have to. And it was a great example that someone shared with me one time that really bring it home for me. And one of it was, imagine a, a neighborhood with you know, all the women in the old days, like let's say World War II, and all of the husbands and kids all went off to war. They all somehow ended up in the same platoon together. Oh, God. And that platoon goes down. And this whole neighborhood lost all their, their men. Now, there's like two versions. There's the widow where only one of the guys who went to war died. And the whole neighborhood is there for her. They're bringing pies over. Yeah, supporting like, her. You know, supporting her. But when the whole neighborhood goes down. Then what? No one really feels like they have the right to actually admit their grief because it happened to everybody. That's true, Yeah. 
There's like comparison. There's that comparison. And so then you then shelve all of those emotions. You don't get the opportunity to say, holy fuck, that shit scared me. It was traumatizing. I was embarrassed. It, it caused wounds in me that I have not yet to even Grief. recognize. Grief yeah. that it just sits with me. It's true. Right? And, it's true. and rolls in and out of my life and all levels. But what's tricky too, just to add to that, what, if you, you dig in too deep to some of that stuff, you know what I mean? There's a point to move on. That's what's really hard is how much do I focus on this one thing? And how much do you, I need to live my life and be in the moment? I've always said depression was like a rabbit hole. It's like Alice in Wonderland. And so, you know, in the moment you put your toe in there, you know, you're, you're playing with fire. And you are. so I typically you know, operate in a lot of denial and delusional <laughs> mentalities. Okay. Well, then know? me too. So we're good. <laughs> we're on the same level. It's yeah. good to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> nervous laughter with the smile. Totally. Uh-huh. Yeah. But <laughs> kidding, it, not kidding. It's exactly. I'm fine. No cold say. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. But no, and it depends on your background and how you grew up. So if it was okay to express... Hey, this is something hard that I'm going through. Hey, this is something that I've experienced. Let's talk about it. You might be comfortable with that as an adult, as you get older. If you never were and you had to project, everything's fine, everything's fine. That's a deep layer to try to uncover. Well, and especially in intimate relationships, right? Oh, like, I mean, it's one thing with your sisters all. or your siblings or your parents or that. I mean, they're all hard. They're all intimate, mm, right? True. But, but they're those romantic, I should say, relationships. Right. It's risky. Risky. Yeah. Risky. And yet, you know, intimacy is into me, you see. Right. And so it, it begs for the vulnerability. It does. Vulnerability is huge. And people know, I feel like vulnerability is lost. You know, you got to project all these things. I think social media and just everything else. But I taught eighth grade. And so I watched these middle schoolers. Just their whole life is about projecting whatever they think other people want to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I just it's kind of a not a culture of saying, hey, here's who I am. This is what I'm or too much of it. Too much of everybody. I'm in pain. Look at this. I'm in pain. But not really dealing with it. It's just showing. Let me show. Kind of the Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor version of like pain, you know, just <laughs> yeah. screaming it. Yeah. Here, get a little bit closer. I love your voice. So why don't you just get right up there so it feels a little bit stronger. Okay. Yeah, these microphones are. Can I like, touch it? Like, you can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. In your experience, you said you had some recent experience here, you know, in some of this. Is this just personal or is this with an intimate partner? This is a lot to walk right into. <laughs> it is, hey? Personally, I feel like tra- it. I mean, if you're speaking to like trauma, sure. you're just talking about. Yeah. It depends on it's every other. I mean, having a baby during COVID, I had one March of 2020, and everything was shut down. The NICU, you know, you go through new levels of what that looks like, and you know, fear as a parent and stuff like that. But intimacy as a parent too, I think, is really hard. If you weren't comfortable with that growing up, then to give and receive it from children too. Ooh. Mm, what a powerful point. You know, you wouldn't think so, right? That maternal. I think it would be inherent. It would be inherent, right? And I think I remember seeing an Oprah Winfrey version of a way back, like 10, 15 years ago, where she did like a whole series on you awesome. know, non maternal parents, you know, who had to come to the table and go yeah. on public television and say, I just don't dig being a mom. Yeah. I just sold a bill of bad goods. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I just, it's the way it is. And people are booing them. And she's like, honesty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you yeah. Know, get it out there. Get it out there, right? And then there's another thing. Like, I remember when I went through my divorce. I've been married once, two kids from the same wife. So I got one baby mama. And so my kids are 19 and 22 now. So I'm a recent empty nester. That's a new stage. New stage, right? But one of the things that happened was when I had gone through my divorce, well, I actually, it was such a huge wound. I kind of thought I had to bow my head at the pearly gates, right? Yeah, like I, wow. just, I just messed up like the, the number one thing you're supposed Ultimate. to get right. So this was a lot of shame. A lot of shame, shit, shit tons of shame. And I was a big hugger and a big kind of open 
give and receive love kind of hippie. Right. And at that point after that divorce, it was so traumatic that I would shake when anybody would try to hug me. And, and I mean, literally I start to tremble, right? That they were coming into my space and there was going to be a hug exchange. Right, and somehow, there's risk. And it was like, and somehow I was going to just transfer all of my pain to them. And I didn't want uh, them to see all that, right? Yeah. And so then what really spooked me is it happened, it started happening with my sons. And, oh. and I'm, you know, my boys are running up to hug me and I'm crutching up. Yeah, and that's embracing yourself. Embracing myself, right? And that's when I'm like, okay, I got to do some self-work here. So I got a therapist and mm. jumped into this group called Therapy with a Heart and, you know, oh, just started awesome. to do like tapping techniques and just all kinds of grief therapy so that I could just get through to make sure that my kids had an open channel to me. Oh, that's good. I don't think you ever stopped working on yourself though. No. I don't know. It doesn't stop. No. I grew up with a lot of, uh, there was a lot of addictions and stuff like that. So we were in like a family group basically a family support group for children who grew up in that. And it was really great because it got us connected to a higher power. If we didn't grow up in religion, so, you know, so that spiritual connection was really important. And Brene Brown, um, I don't know if you love her. She's I'm obsessed fave. with Brene Brown. So I'm <laughs> yeah. actually reading her, um, the power of vulnerability, I think. And so, I mean, it's audio, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that's me lately, but it's intense. And she's talking to companies and it applies to everybody just being able to be vulnerable, but not where you're oversharing. And not where you're making people uncomfortable, where you're looking for opportunities to be vulnerable with somebody on their level and in an appropriate way. And so I think that that's hard in our society now. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had some people on here, I did a Gen Z Chronicles where I interviewed oh, a bunch God. of uh, Gen Zs and they felt like it was all walking zombie. Like people had just forgotten how to love. They've forgotten how to be romantic. They've forgotten how to be vulnerable. They, really? They've forgotten how to be authentic, that they're hiding behind masks and it's a multiple gender, but they've actually, I found from them are very passionate about a new world, about a, about a living, you know, into something that is much different than where they came from. And that's good. So it's interesting to see the, hear their point of view on it. Cause we already know what everybody else's point of view right. is and they seem to be quite aware of it too, but yeah. And each generation has its challenges. You know, my grandma's 88 and I'm going to see her next week and I'm that's thinking so cool. like what, what they see all their, you know, just levels of different, just a first flight attendant, you know, you had to quit your job when your husband, when you got married, yeah. he, you know, so she would quit. And so just hearing her stories are really incredible. And then to look, I have like a younger sister who's 25 and even her perspective versus mine is really incredible. I mean, I know just to think that they went from the horse and buggy, right. To like, I mean, yeah. they, they went to you know industrialism. They went to the first computers they, they've seen in their lifetime. Yeah. She didn't really have a say. I mean, she's, she's a brilliant writer, beautiful woman, didn't really, but super gracious. I would say there's some super benefits of, I love, I love hearing from older people. I mean, the wisdom there. You're lucky to have a living grandmother. I do too. It's, I'm counting the days. So I, I, I mean, this is precious. Very. So. So on the baby front, like I, mean, oh, Lord. yeah, right. So, um, I, I've often said like, you know, I'm, I'm 49 now and single and, you know, ultimately I lived in New York city for many years oh, and, um, never been. Yeah. So it's a dating pool. I it's bet. like a pretty big dating pool. Right. And so, you know, going through a lot of my experiences with dating and having, you know, my sons as a single father, I kind of find that there is a distinction between women I dated who've had children and the women who have not. Oh, okay. In what way? And I can only speak like nurturing from, or? from a self of self-importance that ultimately you now have had to take care of somebody other than yourself. And right. so the women that I dated who'd never really had to take even right. a dog, you know, was one thing. I mean, kind of selfish. I don't really want <laughs> to, to put say it in selfish. A nice way. Yeah. It sounds like it, but I really... Self-centered or... Uh, yeah, I just think the range is limited as to what they really think is their important. Capacity. Their capacity. Yeah. I often say the three things that make up, you know, what I try to evaluate what I'm dealing with with another human and myself is depth, range, and capacity. 
Okay. Those are the three things that I can kind of go, you can have really, you can have, be really deep, but not a lot of range. Deep in one subject. That, yeah. I and see, not yeah. a lot of range, right? Which I can appreciate Which sometimes can with appreciate, people when they right? have this one thing one that they're thing super into. One a few things, and that's it. And they're Love super it. deep down that, but that's about it. You have people who have really broad range, but not a lot of depth. They kind of skim the surface, but across the board, right? You know yeah. what I mean? Which is I can relate to that one. That one, right? Then you have people with low capacity, and that's what I think we most struggle with, all of us in, in a lot of ways, is we think people should have more capacity than they do, especially if we're loving them. And if they're loving, yeah, if the they're loving us, you have this yeah. expectation to say, no, I expect your capacity to be here. Because that's where mine's at. Because that's where mine's at. Or that's what I want. And so we tend to resent more. Oh, absolutely. The, you know, the lack of capacity, because you almost think it's purposeful, right? You almost right. feel like you're doing this on purpose. You're just not, you don't love me you enough. You take offense, and right. so you take offense to a, a person's capacity. Right. Versus a person who has a lot of capacity. And then sometimes if we don't have that kind of capacity, we then basically withdraw because, we don't, because we don't feel worthy that they, right. that they have more capacity than us and we may not be able to meet oh. them there. Yeah. Do you oh. resonate with any of this? Oh God, it's insane. I don't even, I wouldn't know where to start and <laughs> you don't have the time. But I mean, relationship cycle, you know, so you'll have, um, there was a point where only I was working and, you know, I had a daughter at home and it was just, uh, you know, I worked to finish my degree at 30 and I mean, I was single and so, and now I'm staying home which is like the flip side of every, you know, not making an income and he is, I think your self-worth gets wrapped up in what you do. There's a lot of identity issues. So I think as long as you can identify in something bigger than either what you're doing, who you're doing it with, if there's something central, this stuff shouldn't be so monumental, but it is, you know, I will say I had a really hard time staying home, even though it was during COVID and everybody was home. I'm like, what am I supposed to do besides, I mean, I'm taking care of the baby, right, but right. like, that's weird if you've never, you're right. It's identity. Right, like who? When? Since when did your identity be not Diapers all of this? Right, like all your work experience and your, you know, your your personality or your charisma. Your, changes. It changes, and now you're like, oh, I'm over here doing this thing. And particularly if you don't have a lot of friends who are also mothers, right? Then you kind of start uh, to feel that thing of like, yes. you know what? We're kind of tired about the nipples uh -huh. hurting. You know, and mom shame <laughs> is a real thing. Mom shame is one of the worst. Is like, it, this is the way you're doing it. This oh is, my god, imagine. Uh, did you breastfeed? Did you blah blah blah? I mean, and it's nauseating at times. And everybody's just doing the best they can. I mean, literally at whatever point they're at, that's the best that they can do. And if they're they're working on themselves, they're trying to grow that. You know what I mean? So it's hard parenting. You know, and I think between the sexes too, I know for me, sometimes men just really resent the fact that the mother isn't feeling like, you know, like this is the best thing since sliced bread. You know what I mean? Like it's like this oh, is supposed absolutely. to be like this is supposed to be like the most romantic experience absolutely. ever. You're supposed to be like fucking super happy. Like I'm just right. giving you the dream. And like you're now depressed that's what happened with us yeah without being too i mean i haven't spoken about that but yeah i mean it's definitely this is what you wanted but i do think there's some personal responsibility in that i did want that and i got that and so you can't oh, constantly become a victim in all of your scenarios so like for me i'm just trying to work on that like okay i'm staying home now so let's find some we can figure out what i'm doing next you know in a little bit but that you know I, every stage is different you know do you have any methods on how you kind of control your self-negative talk uh, your, your self-negative chat meditation in the morning and at night, um, connecting with other people who have had something, so, you know, maybe another, I don't have a lot of friends who have one and a half year olds right now, but I also have a 14 year old. So we have some, yeah, so we have some ranges. Cool. I would definitely say anything spiritual, there can be too much input. So you can put a whole bunch of different ideas in and then you're confused on, okay, well, what will help me? Um, for me, it all comes back to spirituality. Spirituality. Yeah. And it's hard. You have to work to, to have that connection. I don't even know how quite to do this yet. I've been just kind of probably scratching the surface for the first time. 
How do you interweave spirituality into romantic relationship? Uh, well, I guess it all depends on the current, you know, what each person's, I'm not saying this very well, but what each person's experience with that is. My husband's Christian and I would consider myself more, a lot more open. So I kind of, it doesn't matter to me. I'm sure. God's God. And it's, I mean, that's a complicated subject in and of itself. Indeed. I think as long as both of you have some kind of spiritual connection, it, it, it helps. So there's faith. You can say maybe faith in something. Maybe faith in something yeah, that's bigger than you. Bigger yeah, because we're all fallible. It's a start. Yeah, I mean, because that's, I think death is hard for anybody and, and life is hard for everybody. And I mean, I think that's something I'm working on is, okay, so this 88-year-old grandma, you know what happens? Will I fall apart? If that's the biggest death I've experienced, you sure, know? Sure. Or, or how am I going to, okay, you know what? Her life means something bigger than that. And, and that's different for each person, what they believe in that. So I don't judge on that. I don't care if no, you're... No, no, no. Neither, neither do I, right? I've been, a, I've been a hedonist for many years. I mean, I went from Taoist to, to Buddhist to, or Buddhist to Taoist to Christian to a Christian again. I mean, like I... I've had a lot of different variations with, uh, you know, hated religion for many years, tried to be an atheist. Yeah. So I, I don't say shit about that. I got my own conversations with different podcasts on that, but yeah, but I do think believing in some higher power, right? Let's just say something that is bigger. I don't know what everyone, let's just call it the universe. That's what everybody feels the most comfortable with. That there's like something yeah. that ties us together in, in a much larger universe. Yes, in a non-physical in sense. In a non-physical sense and in a physical sense, yeah, DNA and all of it, right? Absolutely. So that if two people at least can share that, that's one way of interweaving spirituality. Cause there's a lot of couples who are non-believers, right? And yeah, so, absolutely. so they're pretty much like, you know, Hey, no, this is all accidental or whatever right. the version is. And we're just an organism on earth and right. we can't really talk about that stuff. So there'd be a, there'd be a relationship with the absence of spirituality right. unless they saw spirituality maybe outside of themselves, nature. And so That's true. they feel like they experience a spiritual like relationship they because they connect yeah. on a nature thing or something. What's right? hard. Yeah. What's hard I think is when one person say you're speaking about a romantic relationship, if one person is spiritual or religious, whatever it is, and the other person has none. Now that to me is what I've seen just in my own, ex my own experience, my sisters, I have five sisters and one of them, she wants to go to church and he doesn't want anything to do with it. It causes a big rift. I think so. If one person's seeking, whatever they're, I mean, if they're seeking for something bigger than than their physical self and then the life they're in and the other person wants nothing to do with it, I think that can cause a bit really big divide. You'd have to have a really strong foundation. I think so too. I didn't used to think that, but now I do. And I think for a lot of reasons, because, you know, I used to think I've often tried to puzzle down to the whittle down to like one thing that keeps us, that ties us all together. I may have said this before, but, you know, and I like to grasp the very kernel, like the very core of everything and then go from there and, you know, this yeah, micro to macro, you know, or I macro like to that. micro, right? So I used to think it was we all wanted to be understood because I could see everybody craving for that yes. and asking for it, fighting for it, Need to be demanding validated. it to be yeah. validated by being understood. But then I've kind of looked at the more positive frequency of that now. And I've come to the conclusion, again, admitting knowing nothing, I've come to the conclusion that we all want to be fully utilized. That's true. Purpose. Purpose. I was going to say loved, but I... And I think it is all about the love, but I think feeling fully utilized means that you are living out, you are giving your greatest self, your love to right. the world freely. And it's being embraced and accepted. And you are maturing in that. And so therefore you don't feel like anybody's putting their, you know, stiff arming or you can't do that or right. put you over here in the corner or compartmentalize you here. Right. You're, you're comfortable with what you're, you're comfortable with you and what you're doing and what you're giving and you see its outcome in the world. And so therefore you don't need to be understood. Yeah. You don't need the validation. You don't need the validation. That's the sweet right? spot. That's the sweet spot. And also the reason why I could I kind of went that direction is because you can also be understood and not have a feel great. Right? Like somebody can understand you, 
but it doesn't really? make you doesn't, doesn't make you yeah, feel better. Matter. Right? You can have thousands, <laughs> thousands of, of people who are like, I think, yeah, I understand you, but you know. So I think that's for me. So with that full utilization, you know, I think that if you're a spiritual person, then you definitely want to be spiritually utilized. Absolutely. You want God to make service of you in some way, shape, or form, and you want to surrender to that service, right? Oh, the and so, which the is the hardest part. And so in doing so, you kind of want your mate to understand what you're going through. Right. And if they don't believe in any of that frequency or that higher power. How would you connect? Then how would you connect? Or even if they kind of get it theoretically, they're kind of mind minding you with it, right? right. Versus being Picating in their maybe. heart and really trying to understand that you're navigating the pace of heart and you're navigating with God. Yeah, it's hard. And I, I think personally, I've been in relationships that have had both, either an understanding of it, but there's it ebbs and flows. Like you said, you've been through points in your life where, you know, you went away from spirituality or a God concept. I definitely did after the car accident. It was like an anger. You know, young, you're young. So you think it's, this happens. It's like a cause and effect and God did this to me. And and so then you get angry. You know, that's just a young thing. And for many years was, was a way, I did it myself. You know, it was just me and me. And, and I think it's important to have a bigger, something bigger. You know, whatever that looks like. If it's organized, cool. And do you have an idea of like what you, and you know, I hate to put you on the spot on this, but like, I'm going to anyway. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, do you have like a fairy tale of, of what your romantic life looks like? Your family romantic life looks like? Uh, or did you and do you now? And, or, you know, oh, can you speak to that? Oh, that's hard. Yeah. I mean, I can. I don't know. I'd, I mean, go with the I fairy think tale. Females, first. Yeah. The fairy, I think the fairy tale is kind of toxic, though. Sometimes, you know, like you grow but up what with. What is it? What's the toxic You know, fairy the tale? picket fence and the, the let your hair down and all the, you know, the fairy tales that I think is maybe it's mostly female, but we grow up with these ideals of what it's supposed to look like. And then you get into it and you're like, oh, these are just people. This is just a human being who's messed up too and who has, who's fallible and they're not going to be on a white horse and they're not going to, you know, so I think as you get older, you forever and you're right. going to be able to just, and these expectations have killed me in all of my relationships is you've got to be this, 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 whatever mm -hmm. it is. And then, you know, a lot of times I wouldn't even be living up to it. So if my expectation is for you to be respectful and understand everything I'm going through and loving and all these, all these things, am I doing that? How do you put that out there and you're not giving it yourself? You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's hard. I think the ideal is just to be accepted, be comfortable, be, feel like you're not combating values, to feel like you can give and receive love. Pretty straightforward, but well, but, but it hard. Does, it's right? hard. It depends on what people are going through. And my husband and I have had our, you know, we've been on, on almost 10 years and there's been cycles of chaos and then there's been lots of peace and, you know, it, it really does ebb and flow. What do you think makes people compatible? Oh, I am terrible one to answer that. God, I mean, I don't know. Maybe... I'll have to get back on that one. I really don't know. Cause we're like, we're both type A rule. Like it'd be great if there was like somebody who kind of chilled and sat in the background and just nodded. Is that a polyamorous third or is that off the oh, table? Off the table. I, I, I just, I think, oh my God. Oh, I'm going to have a drink for this uh, one. Oh, okay, go ahead. No, you're good. No, I don't know. I think it's, I think I'm still figuring that out. You know, I don't know if, if somebody has that answer. I'm, I mean, is it on here? Cause I'd like, to know. I'm like <laughs> I don't know. Are maybe. you going to answer it? Cause <laughs> no. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it just depends. That's a hard one. Okay. So I'll come back to that. Some yeah, other yeah. Stuff. So another kind of thing that I, and maybe I've been oversimplifying it, but you know, there was a time when I thought that everything had to be just magic and potion and inspired. And like, you know, I was not okay with the dull or the mundane or the, uh, you know, I always said, what's the opposite of love? I ask people, what's the opposite of love? What do you think the opposite of love is? Well, I mean, I guess the easiest answer is hate, but that I guess like indifference. Easiest. That's it. Yeah. The easiest answer is hate, but you have to be emotionally, you know, invested to hate somebody. Yeah, that's true. Indifference is painful. 
Yeah. Right? And when I experience a relationship, I'm like a dog in the corner. I get mad, mm. right? I get upset, you know, because I'm invested. Yeah. I'm invested in any relationship. I'm in. Well, I, I know think, that. Yeah, I think we all feel that way. So indifference is pretty you know, hard to hit. And kind of like numb. That numb, right? And so, so but I was expecting way too much of the relationship too, right? I mean, it's got a, it's got a ebb and flow. It's pedestal. In a, a pedestal thing, right? And so those, those were, you know, fast flames burned out kind of thing, right? For all the reasons, you right. know, or moved on. Then I kind of started to swing maybe even closer to now where it's like, you like each other. Like, you know, it's like you just, you generally You're have a, you, you just generally enjoy each other's company. Yeah. Partnership. You, partnership. You just kind of want to choose each other every day, you know, and it's like, mm. because you just kind of realize that that person enjoys you, 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 enjoy know, you merge and you melt and you kind of, what's that symbiotic? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You, you, yeah, get, each other. you get each other. Right. And so, but is that idealistic? Is that idealistic yeah. as well? Or even like, you know, I was just mentioning that to a friend of mine and, and she said, well, no, that's the minimum. I, I feel that with like coworkers. I feel that with friends. I feel that with other people. And I was like, well, shit, it made me stop and think Damn, like, you're, you're ahead of me. You got it going on because now, like I, you know, that kind of symbiotic, just basic, like I can stand your your shit, you know, yeah. day after and day after seems to be like 50% of the way. And then you've got like yeah. the chemistry or the, you know, the yeah, other stuff. Additives, yeah. And, you know, things the additives. that you hope you have. Yeah. But at the base to me is just the very fact that friendship. you can really have a friendship that you really like each other's mm -hmm. company. Mm -hmm. Right. And that even in your frailties or whatever, you know? Yeah. You accept each other. And for me, the acceptance, that acceptance piece. So no matter what, I mean, I want to be accepted, whether it's, you know, and I want my partner to feel accepted. So if they're going through a hard time and there's three, four years of crazy or three, four years of amazing and success of whatever that looks like. But if the acceptance is there from both both sides, like, hey, I, I see you and I get what you're going through and I'm still here. It takes a while. It takes a while. And it takes a lot to trust that on both sides. Like they could be showing you, but you still might not trust it just because we have our own reasons mm, to not to. Right? Issues, exactly. Yeah. We're broken. Very. Ways. Well, and everybody is. Everyone. I mean, that's why I do this show. Is this, I'm like, look, let's just talk about the broken, right? Let's just talk about the healing. Let's just talk about the, the ridiculousness of some of it. Let's talk, let's laugh at it. It makes it, people right? uncomfortable. It does. You know, especially if the walls are built pretty deep. I know Absolutely. for me, it's hard to look at that stuff. Why don't we talk about that a minute then? Let's talk about triggers. Hmm. Okay. Do you experience triggers still? I mean, are you a highly uh, triggered person? It depends on, on what it is. Because so, you talked about you're kind of like going through the, the birth of your child and maybe some of the, or not just trauma, the birth, but some of the most recent the things around that it. kind of flashed you back to like an accident and what you went through there and reminded you of those wave of emotions that would maybe seem like a trigger. Possibly, a yeah. A life experience that then brought all these emotions back. That's a big version of a trigger. Yeah, it's a big one, yeah. boyfriend triggered me today kind of version. Right. Well, and I've gone through different um, modes of, of this. So triggers to me, I used to say there aren't triggers, that if you're spiritually connected, that nothing should trigger you. You know what I mean? Life is life and you're comfortable and, and things happen and, and you're so connected spiritually that there aren't triggers. I mean, I know people that say that and live in that. But then in the same token, I, I don't know that that's like driving on the mountains coming up here. There might have been a second where I thought, ooh, gosh, there's not a rail there. And, you know, I think that's normal. But I think for me, with my own background, I think maybe it's a little more intense. Mm -hmm. And I, I never looked at it, you know. I was like, why do I not like being a passenger in a car? Hmm. Mm, closer to the rail or something. Yeah, yeah wow. just anything like that. And I mean, I think I've always known that, but I never looked at it. You just push forward. You just go, 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 go. You got to keep keep moving. Don't look at it, you know. Yeah, dig it. I like it. Now, since you do have a spiritual essence to you in this and you're in a relationship and you obviously seem to be well studied in some of that spiritual journey. What are your thoughts on the kind of duality of masculinity and femininity and how they interoperate? 
Oh, that's complicated. It is. Goodness. That's just kind of a way to wrap the show, I think. You're we're, very we're, deep. We got to go. I, well, not, we don't have to go, but it's, a, it's <laughs> probably like enough to kind of like yeah, get a nice little juicy ending thinking. here. Yeah. Oh, masculinity, femininity. That's, uh, that's a tricky one. So I think we play different roles. So I think for me, I've always kind of played both and never had a relationship until I was 30. That was So I was kind of playing male and female. Ask me more questions. So there's that version where we, we kind of switch play back both, and forth, yeah. play both. I've done that. Like I got a masculinity, femininity kind of component to me. I was raised by a single mother of 16. I can she see had that. Me, right? Yeah. We're well, a very deep thinker. So that's not average for men I've dated. And I love women. Right. You know, I love women. And I can be a pleaser and a rescuer. Right. right? And so accommodator. Accommodator. And so those things kind of my feminine side. That Right. And then I have this kind of masculine side that is, you know, warrior, protector, rock. You know, I, I once had came to a concept, you know, around feminine and masculine relationship where. But you have both, which is good. I so do. That's... Right. And, I, and I've leaned more towards the masculine, you know, in my life for different reasons. But when I was first learning about it, I read a book and it said, you know, men are supposed to be like the rocks on a cliff, yeah. the cliff, and women are the waves, right? And women are going to have oh. high tide and low tide, and and they're going to you're going to have moments where you look at their water and it's glossy, and you right. can see the sun and the moon and the clouds, That's and, a good analogy. and then other times it's choppy and rocky, creamy yeah. and dirty and rocky, and sometimes it's crashing. And the man is the rock, and when you look at the rock when it's low tide, you get to see the marks of the feminine. Ooh, that have really wow. worn away, you know, at the man. Yeah. And it makes he that, because he stayed this steadfast this whole time. And the women's like the hurricane. And the women is the hurricane. <laughs> and in that, then you can have this beautiful balance between feminine and masculine. I see some of the relationships that I think work the best that I, I mean, of course you don't know their, their dark sides and you don't like people present, you know, what they want to present. So we, I, we know everybody's broken all relationships. I don't, but the ones that I've seen that seem really content are the ones that play their roles really well. So they know their role. Solid. They're not trying to fight the role. And that's something I'd really like to do better at instead of trying to be the alpha and trying to be the, like, what, just be the female, be the mom. It's all right. You can still be strong. You can still be awesome and do all, and do other things that are, you know, validate you. And that's in that sense of being a strong, you can still be feminine and do that though. You Fuck know, and then yeah. let the man be who's in, what's innate for him. You know, he wants to take care of his family. He wants to be the rock. He wants to be the provider. That's innate no matter who you are. And so if you have a relationship that, can do that and really play the roles. Ooh, that's like a good. That's the win on this one. See, to, remember I told you when we talk and we kind of mine, you know, and then yeah. something comes out of it like a real nugget. That came out of it. Yeah. That came out. That of came it. Right Didn't out. that come out? Just of dropped it? right Just out. Dropped I was like, out. all right, play our roles. I didn't right. know in the beginning, right. and now I'm thinking, you know what? Play your damn role. It's delicious. But, you know, you got to know your role first. You do. And they can change. Like you said, if you do even, whether it be masculine and feminine or whether it be dominant submissive or whether it be any of those kinds of, of variables, that power exchange, right? Power. Oh, God. And so you could play your role right in the executive aspects of, of things. And then you could play your role right, which is completely different in your intimate portion of no, things with your yeah. partner, right? And so it doesn't mean that it's this is a design that is one size fits all. But if you clearly identify your roles with your partner and, the, yeah. and you understand the cast of characters that go with those roles. Right. Like one of my things was don't expectations are met. the expectations, right? Like do you, you know, in a role for me and my masculine side, I was, you know, don't shame me or call me out in public. Right. Yeah, that's a big one. It was a big that's one. That's a for big me. one. I think that's big for men. I think men. it's a lot of Maybe men. Most yeah. men, I think, feel that. That's a pride and, thing. And it's a big pride thing. And But I think it's more than that. It's like a wolf pack thing. It's like the moment yeah. your woman shows anyone that you are, you are weak Ooh. or that you are down, the wolves are at you. It's a that's death true. sentence is what it is. It's a, it's, wow. a, it's a social and or financial and or emotional death sentence. And when you try to explain that, and especially when you're at odds with each other, but that is what it feels like for a man. 
No, I can see that. Yeah. Right. I, I had read a couple of books where, yeah. Anyways, we, we did some counseling and we did some work on that and it's, it's big. It's just like the man wants to be respected. Woman wants to be loved concept, but right, right. that respect in public, if you're not backing them, like say they say something and you're going, Oh, that's silly. You know, or you kind of negate what the man is talking about. That's right. It can be really, de- you know, I don't know what the emasculating or I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. And I think it's flip it for the other side. Like I've been in relationships where I know that the woman in my life really wants me to know, to stay steady. Don't drink mm-hmm. too much. Don't do anything. Don't risk- do anything yeah. risky. You know, stay, play my role. This is her event, right? She's shining. Right. I'm there to just be, you Dead know, fast. the steadfast, her man and let her shine and you know she's just looking for me to be able to make eye contact when necessary so you got to be on the frequency yeah not and smile you know not and smile and got it and cue number two or 20 minutes out the door which is like you know rub to the ear yeah. you know that's what she's looking for and so it really helped me when i know that's my role right when i can right. go into that situation and not like try to charm her coworkers, not try to create to be the man who wants to do her role be the role for her that i want to be for her I have to play my role for her too. And she's helped me design that role, which is just, you know, well, but stand down, motherfucker. Too. <laughs> yeah. But that's communication. So you it don't is, know. How do you know she wants you to, right. Until you, some women until you or, define that role, like you said, that's hard. And that could take years. It could. So, Hey, but good topics. I like it. Man, this Thanks is for some nitty gritty. All right. I had a good time. You've been on mixed messages. Will you come back? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. I love it. Thanks for joining. Right. Right. Thank you. Talk soon. Mixed messages. Mixed messages. Mixed messages. Mixed messages. Mixed messages, 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 messages.